Good evening and welcome to tonight's show from DJN TV, Disc Jockey News TV. Tonight's show is brought to you by Electra Voice, DJ Event Planner, DJ Trivia, Odyssey Innovative Designs and Cases, NLFX Professional, Promo Only, and the DJ and TV Insiders. What is up, my Good Vibe crew? You know how we do here on Distracting News. Welcome to the DJ Spotlight. Contributing to Toronto and Canadian electronic music scene for over 15 years, he's got some advice for y'all you are going to want to hear. He's not only a longtime touring DJ with residencies in some of Toronto's top clubs, but he's a producer of music with a history in analog and vinyl. With his partner crime Flipside, he's been working tirelessly in the studio to bring quality tunes again and again to the masses. In today's video, the one and only Chris Vench shares his experience, lessons learned, and key advice to anyone that not only wants to thrive, but push forward through situations of adversity and accountability. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm super stoked about this. So let's start from the early beginnings. How did you find yourself in this industry and how did it lead you to where you are today? Uh, it's been kind of something that I've been into since I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, Flipside and I, who I make music with, who's like a brother to me, we met in high school and we had a connection over hip hop and, and, and house music and electronic music. And you could tell that there was a connection there. And we used to go to warehouse parties when we were like 14, 15, 16 years old. And it was something that I had never experienced before. And being in a dark room and being in these clubs when you're, you know, 16 years old, listening to, to this cool, new, interesting music, it was, I didn't need any drugs at that. Like I didn't need drugs because that was my drug. And we, we would look forward to it all the time. And it was just one of those things where you go and you're just like, this is where I want to be. This feels right. It's like when you meet somebody, you just know. You're like, okay, this is, this is it. And that was that uh, connection and that was that feeling right from the beginning. Yeah, it sounds like that was the moment that you knew you were going to do this forever. Well, at that time, I wasn't really sure if okay. I was going to pursue, you know, being a DJ or, or, or anything. And, you know, I have a full-time job, and thank God I do. But it, it was seeing the control that a DJ had over the dance floor, that is when I was like, okay, well, now I can be a part of this more as a punter and just, like, going and supporting. Now I can actually be one of those people who is, you know, conducting things on the dance floor, making people dance, making people have a good time. And the, the euphoric feeling that I would get from seeing people dance and, you know, coming on and not, you know, to let's say an empty dance floor, you know, people scatter like a high school dance, guys are on one side, girls are on the other, kind of staring, who's going to go first? And, you know, bringing all those people out there and making them dance, it's, it's, again, it's like a drug that you just, 
that you just you don't want to pay for because it's free and you just get it from that from that energy and vibe. Can you tell us how making music came into your life? That was something that um, started probably around 98, 99 is when I started to have an interest in it. Uh, Flipside had hooked up with a legendary guy from Toronto named Paranoid Jack. And, oh, I gotta close Facebook, sorry. There we go. Uh, so Flipside hooked up with Paranoid Jack and I met Paranoid Jack through Flipside and they built a studio together called Redline. And when I would go to the studio, I was, again, it was like going to the factory, which was a club that we used to go to back in the day, or RPM, which became government. Going to these places and walking into the studio and seeing how everything came together, again, it was like a drug. I was like, I need to learn how to do this. And it wasn't because I wanted to be cool and I wanted people to think, oh, he's, he makes music, he's a DJ. I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to make, make music and see what that process was like. And then it was heightened when Flipside introduced me to the Stickmen, who are Canadian legends. And when I went to their office and studio to see how these guys who, you know, made a very, very good living for themselves, making music and touring and traveling, again, yes, all those things are nice, but it was about working with friends and creating an energy and creating a vibe and seeing people react to that. So it was kind of like that. And Paranoid Jack, I, I said, you know, I want you to teach me how to use the equipment. Because if you, you, if you can write music, you can write music. If you can't, you can't. But you need to learn how to use the gear. Now it's easier because you have Ableton and Fruity Loops and all these other things and it's just, it does it for you. Well, not so much. But I had to learn how to use a sampler and outboard gear and the, the learning curve was a lot uh, steeper back then as it is now, whereas you can just dump samples in and it cuts it and it's so much easier. So I wanted to put in that time and I wanted to learn. And again, it was just one of those things that when I was surrounded by it, it was just something that I knew that I wanted to be a part of. I like that you mentioned that because, I mean, we think of DJs nowadays and how it's really easy to get into. The equipment's quite affordable. You can literally put all your music on USB. USB. Yeah. And before, like, we were buying vinyl and hauling it around. And, like, that was fun. And I love that. And I'm glad I personally had that experience. Do you find that because you started learning production more with samplers and analog style that you like it gave you an edge to where you are today? I don't know if it would, if it gave me an edge per se. Uh, I'm happy that I learned how to actually, you know, take a, take, take a snippet from a record, put it into an outboard sampler and sit there, get the beginning point, get the end point. And sometimes it was annoying, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say it made, it was just the barrier to entry is too low now. Even with, oh, I want to be a DJ, so I'll just go buy a tractor mm -hmm. and hit sync, or I'll just use the CDJ 2000 at 2000s and hit sync. I wanted to learn how to make music from scratch. I wanted to learn how to de I had a belt-driven turntable, for God's sakes. You couldn't touch it, because if you touched it, it was, whoa, I'm sure you know. Because <laughs> the Technique 1200s are, have a motor, so you can manipulate it more. That's, the whole, that's why they were made, for DJing. So I'm glad that I went through that phase of 
having to learn everything on analog and having to learn the old school style of DJing. And I don't miss records because now we have a USB key. Like I just bought a new USB key. So this is all my music. Well, when I transfer it, as opposed to having two big bags of records mm-hmm. and 15 to $20 for one record, as opposed to $20 for what, like nine songs now. Yeah. So the barrier to entry is a lot lower. So I think it's great that, if people have a passion or an interest in it, that they're all, that they can afford it now. Where as before, if it was something you wanted to do, you really had to. Okay, I really I'm, I got to spend seven hundred dollars on this sampler or a thousand dollars on this synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, oh, I'll just get a cracked VST. You could get cracked stuff back then, but now it's so much easier. I think the barrier to entry now makes it easier for people who are fringe players. And people who are like, oh, that looks cool. I want to be up there. Mm-hmm. Whereas me, I was just like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to make people dance. And I'm not delegitimizing these pe- certain individuals' intentions. But when you only have to spend $50, $60 to get in, or however much tractor is, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I don't use it. But do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like just because it is, you know, maybe easier to access doesn't necessarily mean that those people are going to invest the time and energy in exactly. it like for longevity. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I think it's really interesting and, uh, to hear from people that started more analog and with vinyl and <laughs> belt driven turntables, which, <laughs> oh my goodness, that it is, was so awful. Uh, oh my, I remember like try, I remember uh, an old Stanton turntable is trying to um, cue up a track, and I was like pushing the turntable with the record so that it would <laughs> kind of like line up. It it definitely made me appreciate. <laughs> well, you learn. Technology you learn how to properly beat match yeah, and you can't touch the platter because if you touch the platter on a belt driven turntable, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Nope. So it was great. Do I miss it? Hell no. Because I like now that I can just, as you said, grab my headphones, grab a USB key yeah. and a mirrored USB key and I'm all set. Absolutely. So it's yeah. Technology. I love it, but it also has made things interesting for the, uh, Bit players, we'll call them. So I have uh, a, I don't know that as a follow-up question, but definitely industry-related. Was there maybe a difficult lesson that you learned uh, through your uh, music career that you you might have not learned a lesson from that experience had you not gone through it? Does anything come to mind? Uh a difficult lesson. I think you need, if you want to play, you need to go out and support people. You can't always expect to, to get in for free. You have to support parties. You have to buy music. And I think when you're working on music, you can't be afraid to try things and you can't be afraid to step outside the box and make, you know, I make predominantly house and tech house. I don't necessarily have a blueprint when I sit down to work on a song. Whatever kind of comes out, comes out. So sometimes I'll sit down and I'll write something that's deep. Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll write something and it turns out to be tech. Um, So I think you can't be afraid to take chances. Whereas there's been times in the past where I've written a song 
and I'll play it for someone and they're like, oh, that's cool, but it's a little different and I'll be, I'll be not afraid, but hesitant to send it out. And that's a lesson. And then I'll see, you know, six, seven months down the road, maybe even a year down the road, I'll be like, hey, wait a second, that's an idea that I had like six months ago, but I was scared to like release it because I thought people would think that I was weird. Or I remember one time I wrote a song specifically that for this one label that I used to be obsessed with. I wouldn't even listen to their music when I went record shopping. I would just see the label and I would buy it. I'm not going to name them because I sent them a demo and I wrote this song specifically for them. They wrote me back and said, oh, it's a little bit too, they used the word electro and it wasn't electro. It was just a particular sound that I used from a synthesizer. And then, as I said, six, seven months later, they released a song on their label that had that exact same idea. So I don't know if they stole it. I'm not suggesting that they did. But when I got that back, it discouraged me because I was like, oh, well, I respect this label so much and it kind of like hurt my feelings. But you can't take things personally. So if I play you an idea and you're like, uh, you know, maybe you could change the kick. Maybe you can, you know, fix the arrangement. You can't get angry at that. That's constructive. If you tell me the song is shit, I'll say, okay, well, then you play me something that you made. Play me something that you don't think is shit. Beethoven's not shit. You might not like it, but you can't call it shit. So I think you can't be afraid to take chances. And in the past, I've been afraid to take chances based on things that have happened whether it's been not networking enough or networking too much or acting the fool sometimes or making a song and being scared to send it out. I think it's all about being confident in yourself. And if you do make a mistake or you do piss somebody off, you have to own it. You have to apologize. And you just have to have confidence and belief in your abilities as a, as a DJ and as a producer. I really appreciate that you say that about, you know, taking responsibility for your actions and learning from it, even if it is a difficult lesson. Some of the best marketing out there is quite literally just somebody being vulnerable and talking about an an experience of something they weren't proud of, but they Mm -hmm. learned from. Exactly. Because I think people connect with that. Like, yes, I know I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. I don't, I'm not proud of them, (laughs) but other people have as well. So you mentioned being vulnerable and opening yourself up to that. You kind of have to, if you want people to connect with you, Mm -hmm. because you can't always be a robot and you have to show emotion sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you have to open yourself up to being, as you said, vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I love about that vulnerability um, and, and just being honest and saying that, Hey, I learned from this experience is that with, you know, this call out culture with, uh, so many opportunities for people to just like make fun of you online and have huge articles. It's like, if you just own that right before somebody even has the ability to use that against you, it's like, <laughs> there's, there's no fun story here for you. Now. No, but I, I think the call out culture though is, is, it's one thing I really don't like about the internet. If you do something stupid, you deserve to be called out about it. But it's the keyboard warriors who talk shit, who always criticize and who are always negative and who never have anything nice to say. Those are the people that, that bother me because nine out of 10 times, those people will not say that to your face. They'll talk shit about you online. And then when they see you, they're like, Oh, kill my, your set last night was amazing. It was so good. And then on Facebook, Oh, did you hear her last night? Our music sucked. <laughs> Like, come on, like, 
be honest. Don't be hurtful, mm-hmm. but be honest and own it. And I, I, I think if you do something stupid and if it's really egregious, especially if that affects like a bunch of different people, then you deserve to be called out. But you also have to own it when you do get called out and not deflect, oh, well, I had too much tequila. It's, well, maybe you shouldn't have had so much tequila mm-hmm. or whatever it was. I don't know, but just own it and accountability. Yes. Accountability is sexy, you guys. Get with it. It is. And it's something that I had to learn over time because I used to, again, not always have this way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But it comes with time and it comes with stepping in shit and it comes with people pointing out mistakes and it comes with seeing other people make mistakes and be like, oh man, is that what I used to do? It's like, yeah, it's like, God damn, okay. Yes, okay. And emp- empathy, empathy for the like what other people are doing. Like, yeah, that would be yeah. And I think a lot of people don't have empathy because again, a lot of people, even though you go out and you interact with them, they live their lives online. We're always staring at screens. I know I'm always staring at a screen, whether it's a laptop, the computer that I'm talking to you on, my phone, my television, we're always consuming stuff. So it's hard sometimes to be empathetic towards people when everyone, not everyone, that's a blanket statement, but so many people are crying on Facebook about their wives. It's like, don't cry on Facebook, go out and change it. Some people need that validation, which is fine, but you, at the end of the day, you have to look in the mirror and be like, okay, like, where did I screw up? Or how did this person wrong me? And how can we make it better? Instead of, you know, looking for validation from, you know, your thousand or 2000 or whatever friends on Facebook to say, no, you did a good job. It's like, no, you didn't. Follow up question on that. Knowing what you know now, yes. what, what advice would you give your 21 year old self? And do you think he would listen? Is the advice coming from me, like yeah. my future, my future Chris to 21 year old Chris, yeah. or is it like a stranger saying, Hey man, you should be doing these things. Let's say your future self. Okay. Uh, what would I say to myself? I would tell myself not to, honestly, one of the biggest things is don't drink. Okay. Don't drink when you go out. Okay. Maybe limit yourself to one or two drinks, but don't when you're out in public, it's different if you go out with friends for a drink one thing but when you're in the club and you're networking it's easy to get wrapped up in that lifestyle and it's easy to get wrapped up into drugs it's easy to get wrapped up into alcohol my suggestion to to that chris because i didn't do any drugs back then i would say stay away from the booze and just focus on music and focus on djing and you know i made a lot of connections but sometimes i did dumb things because of booze and I would say stay away from the booze and be nicer because sometimes I've been accused of being a little rude and I don't mean to be, but that's just sometimes I have resting screw face and it's just, I think it might just be a Toronto thing. I don't know. But, you know, I'm a friendly person, I think, uh, but just stay away from the booze or in moderation and just be careful who you talk to and don't talk shit about people yeah. because you can't at the end of the day, you can't trust a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if you have like one or two friends that you can trust, you don't have to tell them everything, but you also, one thing you can't do is get caught up in the politics of, of the scene. 
because I'm sure it's like that in Winnipeg. I can see by your reaction. It's like that here. It's like that when I've been to America and I've talked to promoters and DJs down there, promoters and DJs in Europe. Yeah. Too much politics and too many people shaking your hand to your face and then like stabbing you in the back as soon as you turn. And it's, it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I, I love that you say that because it, it's so true. We'll be networking and we'll try to create connections with people and you want to stay positive because even though you're building a connection and then you start talking about something negative and you're like, yeah, I don't like that guy either. Oh yeah. That pissed me off too. Like sometimes like the, you want to build a positive relationships that are driven. And like you said, with your friends, yeah. If you want to vent about that stuff, vent with consent and intent of like, you know, intent, I like yeah, it. <laughs> go in a positive direction. Like, uh, but yeah, sometimes you don't know who you can trust. And I've definitely, I've run into that so many times where, uh, you know, I thought somebody was my friend and nope, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And, and uh, I think a lot of people can't take constructive criticism again to my point that I was mentioning earlier. If somebody says to me, oh, how did you think of so-and-so set? If I say I didn't like it, that doesn't mean I think it's shit. Mm -hmm just means it wasn't for me again and your opinion is subjective like you might not like it I might not like it and vice versa your mixing might be good but your music taste might be terrible or vice versa that doesn't mean I'm a hater it just means that it wasn't for me and I think a lot of people again a blanket statement but a lot of people can't divide that difference between a constructive criticism and actual and actual hating because I don't hate hate is such a strong word I don't don't care for it but like common said just because i don't like it it'll mean that i'm hating i feel that um so with that with all of this being said i actually wanted to ask you if there was any points in in your music career as you were you know going to events and making music is there a point where you're like okay i'm gonna do this forever like music is this, this drives me. Well, I'm still doing it now. So, um, I still get joy from it. So the day I stop getting joy from it and the day that I find it a hindrance to any other passions or pursuits that I may pick up, I'll stop it. But even when I'm 60 and if I don't, even if I don't release it, I'll probably still be, playing around with the synthesizers and, and working. And if I have a kid, you know, if they're interested in it, I'll show them, you know, Hey, these are the things that I used to do. Maybe you can show me some new tricks. Yeah. It's just, I don't think it's something that I'm ever going to stop. And I think it was just, it was, it was born in me, as I mentioned, when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old, when I first heard like Lil Louie and, you know, masters at work, I lost my mind. And then discovering, you know, Frankie Bones and Jeff Mills. And it was just, it's just, I know it's, know it's something that I always want around. Again, like when you see somebody that you like, you just know, okay, I want that person in my life. And you work to make it happen. So that's what I've done with music. And if it could be a full-time thing, then I would happily embrace it. But for now, uh, the way that we're going about it, by myself and as well working with Flipside with our new Rovideo Nolan alias, 
um, I'm getting so much joy from it that I don't want to stop. I'm so happy for you. And I'm glad that you're working with Flipside as well. Like, because it sounds like the team of people, the artists that you're working with, the labels are so driven and inspiring and positive. So to end off this interview, I actually would love to hear any future events, projects, music you got coming up that people should check out. Sure. So musically speaking, um, Flipside and I are working with an old friend of ours, St. Pete, uh, a.k.a. Peter Wellington. And, but his, the alias that he's using for this release is, is Carmine. So Flipside and I are using our Rovito and Nolan alias alongside Carmine, who's a very talented musician. And we're doing an official remix for C.C. Peniston. Uh, this is hooked up from the Boomtang Boys based out of Toronto. They have, their studio is actually like just down the street from where I live. Um, so we're working on that right now, which is, fun fact, CC Pennison finally was one of the first records I ever bought. So to remix her and like have her dry vocal stems on my computer is, it's, I, it's amazing. It's like a dream come true. Um, we're also, we also just finished a song, Flipside and I, under our Rovino Nolan alias with uh, Kid Enigma out of Chicago. It's called Rock Your Vibe. It's very, Flipside does a verse, Kid Enigma does a verse. It's very like Chicago Jack, like it's very, very cool. So that's coming out hopefully soon. And not working on a lot of solo stuff. Right now, really focusing on our Rovino Nolan brand. And we've got four or five songs in the can that are wrapped and another like seven or eight that we're wrapping up that we're just, you know, finishing fine tuning and stuff. And yeah, working, as you said, with great labels and great people like Jerome Robbins, uh, St. Pete, AKA Peter Wellington. So I'm surrounded by a lot of really talented people and gig wise, uh, we're starting a new night in Toronto at nest called the six. It's with jungle funk. And it's got lots of Toronto locals, Joey Collins, Flipside, Ms. Megs, J-Force, uh, Demure, who's blowing up. He's, one of, he's part of that sneak, purveyors of the underground crew. How, I'm a house gangster. So that launches Saturday, February 23rd. And then after that, I'm playing Dakozy's birthday party, March 9th at Nest. And beyond that, it's just studio, 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 studio. That's pretty much it. Work come home, eat studio. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I'm hoping to come back to Winnipeg maybe this summer for uh, Emotion Festival. Oh my gosh, yes. Or footwork, just putting it out there. Yeah, <laughs> hear it, right on. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I you. look forward to hearing more of your amazing music. I hope the nights go really well. Thank for you. Yeah. For the rest of y'all that have tuned into the show today, did you hear something that really resonated with you? Maybe something that Chris experienced, you were like, hey, yep, that was me, and this is what I learned. Let us know in the comments below, and as always, make sure you don't let no one kill your vibes.